Hello and welcome to the Show Me How To podcast, the podcast where we speak with inspirational individuals, gain an insight into how they started to where they are today. Today on the show with us, we have Jesse Masters, the Managing Director of Masters Media, your one-stop shop social media and digital content agency. An agency driven by the desire to push creative boundaries, specializing in social media, photography, and digital content creation. Now, Jesse, tell us about Masters Media. How did, how did it all start? Yeah, uh, well, thank you, Hirsch, for, for having me here to, to begin with. Um, the journey for me and for Masters Media has been interesting. If I actually take it back to the start, it would be about three years ago. So I finished high school and look, it, it's an incredibly strange journey because I, I never thought I would end up down this route of owning a business or being an entrepreneur for that sense. For me, the goal in my life was always to be a pilot in the New Zealand Air Force. Um, so yeah, everything I did in you know the last couple of years of school to leaving school um, and my first year out of it was all in preparation for the idea that I would eventually join the New Zealand Air Force um, as a pilot. And what I naively at the time experienced was that <laughs> I thought that journey of application to get in would be quick. Uh, what quickly hit reality was it was long and it was a long journey. And it was in that time that I realized I had to get a job. I didn't go to uni. Between all of that, I picked up my camera, which I'd always had a massive passion for. I'd always love photo and video. I'd always love creating content. Um, I could tell you from a young age, probably 10, I had my mom's camera in my hand almost everywhere I went, right? And so <laughs> I was 18, out of school, had no clue what I was doing because the Air Force was so far down the timeline. I thought, why not give this a go. Why not try and make money out of something that I love? And to be honest, that was purely the reason I got into it at the start. Um, it was a passion I had and something that I'd love to do and thought, why not try and make this my full-time job? Fast forward nine months to the start of 2020, business or the freelance work was actually surpassing what I was making in my full-time job. And it came to this pain point where, you know, I had to turn down photo and video work to keep my employer happy and keep working for them. So I, I sat down and was like, look, like at the end of the year, I'm going to call it quits. And I set myself a goal of starting the business um, in the first six weeks of 2020. And I did. So February 4th, I incorporated Masters Media, um, had absolutely no clue what I was doing in terms of business at the time as well. Almost had no clue how to incorporate a company. And you know, this, this journey for Masters Media started. And <laughs> I'm going to be honest, it was, it was a crazy one because I guess, as you know, within six weeks, Auckland was in lockdown, COVID had hit New Zealand, and I was stuck here, unemployed, trying to get my business off the ground. Um, so it was a pretty scary time, uh, pretty, I guess, unpredictable. But if we fast forward to today, I managed to get through all that and make it out the other How side. How was it during the COVID period? Did you actually, was it quite difficult to shoot for your content? Was it difficult to acquire customers? What was the biggest challenge? Yeah, it was, it was impossible for me to shoot for uh, shoot content. And it was extremely difficult for me to even search and gain new clients. Right. For me at the time, my biggest driver in, in industry work was through nightlife. So that was large festivals or clubs or school balls and, 
you know, everything after 7 p.m. where there's large groups of people, that's the that's uh, content that we're shooting. Um, so as soon as COVID hit, it absolutely demolished that of industry. Course, yeah. So I went from, you know, 100% capacity or workload to absolutely nothing because I couldn't do a single thing. Um, so I, I genuinely, I spent the first four weeks, I guess, unsure of the direction of the company and unsure of the work that I was going to do. I utilized the four weeks because it was something that I was fortunate to have. And I sort of flipped this opportunity of COVID, well, this negativity of COVID into an opportunity where I was able to develop my first website and you know, create this portfolio online and eventually get some social media online. And what it led to was just one agency that was happy to work with me. Um, they were sort of in the same position as me where they had recently incorporated their business, but they were in a niche market and they were looking for someone who could fulfill their photo and video needs. Um, so six weeks into lockdown, I think it was around May 12 or something like that, I met with these guys um, and fortunately landed them as a client and managed to continue working during level three, during level two of those lockdowns. And that was, that was game changing for me. <laughs> that has to be right. Any new business that really came into that space, it's game changing. And, and it's key for new businesses to stick together as well, all businesses to actually stick together and help each other out in these um, tough, tough circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you look at the entire, you know, support local campaign, it's all about supporting the businesses that do it tough. And I mean, in New Zealand, the number of small and medium enterprises is massive. Yeah. You know, they make up a large majority of employment in New Zealand. And if you think about it, if we lose that, then we lose a lot of a lot, it's of, a lot of livelihoods. It's a lot of livelihoods. Yeah, yeah. It, it directly impacts people and families. Um, but you know, for me, it's it's supporting local, and it was it was actually relatively close after lockdown. Is there's was, there's a massive journey with Masters Media that I guess we can talk about in terms of what it was at the start and what it is at the end. But for me, support support for small businesses and and for freelancers was massive. And I guess I'll dive into it now. At the start, Masters Media was me fulfilling my passion for photo and video, like that. That was purely what it was at the beginning. Um, I was a young guy, fresh out of school, managing to shoot content in a, you know, an alcohol fueled environment. <laughs> like to me, that was a dream at the time. You know, only only a couple months later, I realized that, well, the dream got crushed and I had to find work and I had mates who were designers and I had mates who had worked in social media and marketing. And we sort of came together with this idea of collectively supporting each other. Um, and that was sort of the first change in terms of what Masters Media was. So it went from my passion into more of a structured business that supported like-minded individuals in, I guess, a, a market that, yeah, in a market where that support was was valued. Um, and we, we actually touched on it before, I think, in terms of what Masters Media provided in terms of client needs. You know, we've got this entire production timeline from start to finish in terms of marketing of there's a client and they've got their brief and then their strategy. What we end up with is this final brief or, or idea that we need to capture in terms of images. And it's at that point that Masters Media would come in and it would capture the imagery if that's photo or video for the client. And then that would be turned back to the client who would then continue on with the marketing or the scheduling or the social media or putting the content where it needed to go. And so we played sort of like one seventh in the entire marketing journey. And 
You know, that was a massive missed opportunity for masses media just fulfilling one role or one niche in that. Um, and so that's what that support of, you know, having the guys that were good at social media, good at marketing, good at design, all coming together and supporting one another to be able to sort of fulfill this entire marketing journey for clients. That's, that, and that's key, right? It's, it's more so about actually adding value to your services because a service by itself can do really well. But the moment you add value, you're setting yourself apart from everyone else and you're actually distinguishing yourself in the business world. Yeah. I mean, no, you, you've hit it right on, right? Like it, at the end of the day, for me, it was the value that we provided to our, our clients. Like I, look, I, I back my work and I back the imagery that I could produce and I back that I'll do the best job for the client at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, the idea of the information is changing hands four or five times. So it's gone from the client, it's gone to the client's agency, who um, the agency would then go to the account manager and the account manager would go to me. And then my interpretation of what the client wants is skewed by like four different people. And so what I would produce is what I believed would be is exactly what the client wants. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, four or five people down the chain. And so what the client is missing is that direct I guess that direct result of the initial idea that they had. And so what we could provide is, you know, we went straight to the client. We got, you know, what is it that you're after? Cool. All right. Then let's achieve it. And this is probably what we would advise in terms of how we can capture it or how we could, you know, portray that idea or portray that information or whatever it is that the client wants to achieve. You know, we can work directly with them to achieve it. And then we're working directly with them to create it. And, you know, it's not skipping four or five hands anymore. It's going straight from client to us. And so what, what we enabled is ultimately a better result for the client in terms of value and in terms of outcome. And that's, that's what I, I valued in terms of bringing this entire ecosystem together and presenting it to the client as opposed to just a cog in the system. For idea generation, one of the key things that you can do for yourself and your clients is get rid of the noise. Anything that's noise, just get rid of it. You want to focus and you want to deliver exactly what the client wants and get it from the client's mouth themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse, you started <laughs> and you mentioned earlier, you started quite young, started at the age of 19. So was that quite an obstacle in actually gaining new clients? Because when you're working with clients at one point, at least in my experience, there's always been that your age come, becomes a question. Is, is this person too young for me to hire? Is this person have the right expertise? And how important did it become for you to prove yourself through your work that you can't get the job done? Yeah, no, I, that's a great question. Age is a funny factor in business. Um, age typically defines expertise, defines skill, it defines experience. The biggest battle for me in terms of my age is experience, right? And when I started Masters Media, the only experience I had was in freelance work. So portraying my experience was a massive battle. What I always counted on was the outcome. So it was the deliverables. It was being able to prove to a client that I can deliver above and beyond their expectation. And I put all my eggs in that basket and counted on that to grow um, and to convince clients that I was able to produce at the end of the day, the deliverables that they were looking, looking for. Um, so age is, age is a massive factor in how a client can perceive you, but absolutely no, no way going to stop you from getting that client over the line or getting you over the line to you know, that next step in your journey. Um, for me, it was, I, I, I'm quite an optimistic person. So I look at ages and advantage to me. I look at what 
age can do or age can be viewed as in someone else's mind. And quite often it's, you know, it's this opportunity for them to support someone. And a lot of my clients to begin with were looking at me in this perspective that it's a young guy, he's driven, he's ambitious. I'd love to support him and get him to the next stage of his journey. And, you know, so I've always, I'm always looking at things in an optimistic perspective um, as opposed to a pessimistic. And, you know, I, I truly believe that everyone should, you know, you can start to shine a light on things in a way that, you know, you sometimes don't expect them to, to turn Exactly. Out. And, you know, in the space of social media and content creation, um, so many businesses are reaching out now to be more creative, to be more disruptive. And, and age is a massive factor because this is the age where you've grown up with social media. This is the age where you've had so much content that's been sent to you through various platforms that you have a better idea of what works through what platform, but also what actually attracts the eye. Absolutely. Like <laughs> you've had it smack on, like we're the, we're the generation that had experienced the direct impact of social media. You know, I went to school uh, when I was 12, I didn't have a phone. 13, I didn't have a phone. You know, 14, I might have got my first Nokia brick or something. 3310. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the way through high school, I've grown up with this journey of how social media has impacted our lives. Like being able to text or call my mates when I was 14 was massive. Like I had like 150 texts a month or something that I could use and being able to connect with them in that way was like crazy. <laughs> Or is a crazy concept to me. And then by the time I left school, everyone in school had an iPad to work on. And we were all connected through social media. And it was, you know, there was this crazy leap forward in terms of how people connected digitally. Um, and and that's where I see massive value in a young audience, or not a young audience, a young person, is because they've experienced a direct impact of how social media has affected their lives and affected the lives of people around them. And it's simple to, to put that into perspective when you go talk to someone like my parents who have absolutely no clue how to even post a photo without having to ask me. And you know it, that's sort of the extreme of the ends of it. But what I'm going for is that young people have phenomenal experience in terms of social media content and how that's picked up and perceived by them on these platforms. Um, and I don't think that should be overlooked by people who have been in corporate and, and, and marketing for the last 10 or 20 years. They've got the principal ideas around marketing, but it's the young people that are driving the, the change and the impact in the way that it's consumed. Yeah, 100%. Now, Jesse, you started off freelancing and you've got to the stage where you have a massive team around you. So what's important for you within those people themselves? How did you actually build the team around you? And what, what specific expertise were you after? And what mindset did you want each of these members to have? Yeah, and it's been an interesting journey. And I'll explain why, I guess, when I started this idea of having a team around me was, it was close mates. Um, we all had, I guess, a shared passion in, in terms of marketing and you know how it all revolved around our different expertise of mine was content and my mate was marketing and social media and design, then we, it was at, at the start, it was just us coming together, you know, some good friends coming together to achieve um, a shared goal. What it has ended up over the last 12 to 18 months is, you know, people come and go depending on what they're capable of in terms of workload and what they're willing to do and people change and, you know, um, their goals change and their aspirations change and how we want to be perceived as a company and what we want to deliver has changed. 
And so what has happened over the last 12 months is people have changed and we've got, look, I, I value experience, I value skill set, and I value talent um, and someone's ability to work hard and produce deliverables. But ultimately what I value most is culture. I strongly believe that a strong culture or a strong environment or an environment that backs a team to succeed is better than trying to get the best person hands down. Like I would get someone who, you know, is 80%, 70% as good as the best applicant for the job because they're a better fit for the culture. They're a better fit for the environment and they're a better fit for the team in general. And, you know, I would rather put time and money into someone who's willing to learn and grow with us and, you know, just is an absolute fit for, for the team than someone who's going to work the hardest, produce the best work, but um, just is going to be a burden to it. That is that is something you've touched on that is just so important, actually having someone who fits into the team, because you might have that person working at 100% capacity, but it might also mean that everyone else in the team is now working at 60 or 70% due to the influence that they've had within the team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's it. Like it comes down to culture and it comes down to the environment that you create. For me, the environment is, is a massive part of who you become as a person. And this is this is why it's it's a crazy journey for me because you know school for me was a very sheltered environment. It gave me sort of one direction, which was to go to the air force. The moment I stepped into the real world and realized the opportunities out there, you know, I was a small fish in a big pond. And I think that's it. That's a the best position to be in um, is that small fish in a big pond. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you place yourself in an environment with people who are above you and people who are where you want to be, in time you'll you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll become equal to that. And and that's what the whole culture and environment and 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 team is about is being able to grow and learn as a team and as an individual. It just works better at the end of the day. Yeah, and and I just want to touch on something you mentioned earlier, and that's surrounding yourself with people that are where you aspire to be. Now, do you agree with the quote, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Look, I, I probably do. Um, I can see it in my personal life as well. But what, what I try to do and what I encourage people to do is put themselves in, I guess, uncomfortable positions, you know? <laughs> if you can do that, you, you grow. And if you can do that with people who are, inherently successful in your view, you know, if they're where you want to be, you will grow into that position. And then in terms of the quote, you know, you, you are the average of, you know, the five people you see most. If you want to get somewhere, if you want to be someone else, you have to put yourself in a position to get there. And to be able to do that is by surrounding yourself with people who are above that or, you know, putting yourself in a compromised or an uncomfortable position where it forces growth or it forces you to become a better version of yourself. So back on that quote, yeah, I, I, I probably agree, but I wouldn't leave it there. I'd rather be the person who is below the top, you know, the top five people I talk to most or see most. Yes. Oh, that, that's a great thought. That is a great thought. Now on your profile, your caption reads, thought we should make our bios honest. Enough said. How important is that in your life and, and those you surround yourself with? Yeah, no, it's extremely important. Um, honesty for me is probably the biggest thing that I can live by. Not uh, Well, honesty and transparency. Transparency for me is the most undervalued aspect of, of someone in general. 
of, of someone's personality. For me, if, if you're transparent, if you're, you know, if you're open with me, then life is just easy. You know, I can trust you, you can trust me. There's just this inherent relationship that's built through transparency, you know? Um, I've, I, I have, and I'm sure everyone has, experienced people who are dishonest and very difficult to trust. And at least for me, I, I don't have time for that. Uh, so at the end of the day, man, like I, I value transparency and I can sit down with someone and, you know, have a conversation and I feel like I know them inside yep. out, then, you know, we're going to be best mates because at the end of the day, if I can, you know, if I can trust you to do what you say you're going to do, then we're winning <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah, And, and you know, and honesty and transparency builds responsibility. It builds accountability and it builds reliability. And those are the three key things that you need in your life. Someone who's actually going to be responsible, be reliable and take accountability for their actions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've nailed it. It's exactly what it is. Um, now, as managing director, Jesse, you have a hundred different hats on, a thousand different hats on. What, according to you, is your most valuable skill? Yeah, I think... My most valuable skill, look, that's a, it's a massive question. You're right. Uh, as a managing director, you, you definitely wear a lot of different hats. I think the skill that matters most in terms of a managing director is the ability to focus on the core, um, the core purpose of the company. So, you know, I could have a hundred different hats, which is, you know, it could be from being a manager, it could be being a photographer, it could be um, an accountant, whatever it is, right? What matters most in terms of business success is being able to pop that cap on that goes, let's make the decision that benefits the company the best. So, you know, I think as a managing director, the skill that's most important is being able to align your focus with the purpose of the business or yeah, with the purpose of the business or what will drive the business success most and being able to clearly um, make those decisions based on that. Like for me, I would rather, and you're right, like managing director has multiple hats, but I would rather allow those hats to be filled by people who have the skill set to fill it and enable me to focus clearly on what is in the greatest, um, what is in the... Actually managing the direction of the company and... Yeah, like what is in the, the greatest interest of the company? That was the word I was looking for. So I think for me, that, that skill set is what drives an aging director above anything You hear else. that quite often as well, don't you? That what makes a person a good manager or a good owner of a company is finding someone who can do the job better than they can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, that's what I realized pretty quick. When I was talking about that whole marketing journey of, you know, strategy to content to uploading those deliverables, whether it's a social media or if it's to a website or if it's a marketing campaign that's going live on buses or billboards or, you know, wherever that content's going. What I tried to do originally was to fulfill all those hats. So I put my time into trying to learn how to operate social media schedulers and trying to look at how to become a media buyer. And I was trying to do all of this at once. And you quickly realize you get overwhelmed. And what happens is that the value that you provide to the client and the actual deliverable outcome to the client is lessened. As if you can fill people whose skill set is fits the the purpose of the role or the hat that you're talking about, you know, the value doubles or it triples, or, you know, it's it's unbeatable. So as a managing director, you know, what you what I value is trying to put people in a position where they can thrive and the business thrives at the same time. And if that means stepping back from any role that I currently have, then so be it. <laughs> 
look looking back at your teenage self the the teenage self who was prepping for the air force is there any advice that you would give yeah oh like this is something that i think about constantly and yeah it's something that i, I continuously think about who i was as as a teenager who i was as a 17 year old applying to join the new zealand air force was a completely different person to who i am now um there's this whole journey on its own around the Air Force that sort of worked in parallel with my journey around Masters Media. What I mean is I applied at 17 to join the New Zealand Air Force. At 20, I was actually offered a role as a pilot. Right. And like for me, that was one of the biggest, yeah, it was a massive week in my life. It was so May of this year, um, the New Zealand Air Force came to me and they're like, look, you know, um, we've got this role as a pilot. Would you like it? The same week, I had, I was 99% there to securing lease on an office space. I was currently performing the best in terms of business that I had ever. And so much was going right in terms of business that it was hard to convince myself to, to jump back onto this childhood dream that, you know, I'd always had. Um, and so for about two weeks, I sat on this decision trying to work out what I'd rather do. And at the end of the day, I went with continuing with Masters Media because I put so much effort into it. And like, if you think about it, this three-year journey of trying to get into the Air Force, I'd spent nearly two years creating content. Um, and I put so much effort into, into that space that it was hard to say no, especially in, in the peak of what I would call business success at the time. And it was at the end of the day, the decision I decided to go with. But in terms of heading back to your question and, you know, what advice would I give to my, my younger self? And let's say I'm talking to myself as a, I don't know, 19 year old or 18 year old who's thinking about starting a business, you know, at the, at the core of it, I would just tell myself to be patient. Like I, I would openly and honestly, I'll tell you that, you know, I battle with this idea of envy. Like I see businesses in a position that I'd love to be in. I see people in a position that I'd love to be in and I can battle with this idea of envy where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm envious that I'm not in that position or I'm envious that the business isn't that successful yet. And like, I have to constantly remind myself that I'm 21, I'm young, I've got so much ahead of me. Um, and I sort of repeat this idea of like, I'm young, I've got nothing to lose. Like, who am I to compare myself to a business that's been established 30 years ago or someone who's, you know, 20 years older than me? Yeah, like it's, it's this crazy idea that, you know, I can battle with envy when myself as a 19-year-old was looking up to being in a position that I achieved six months ago, 12 months ago. Like that's the craziest idea is that, you know, who I wanted to be when I was 18, 19, I achieved when I was 19, 20, 21. Like this continuous growth of who I want to be and getting there and it not being enough is pretty crazy. But um, I sort of have to keep reminding myself that, look, you know, who you want to be when you're 18, who you want to be when you're 19, you achieved it when you were 19, you achieved it when you were 20, when you're 21. And it's it's sort of wholesome. It's sort of like fulfilling, but I think it sort of just plays on this idea of, I think it was Matthew McConaughey who actually quoted it was, you know, they talked about the best version of himself, you know, um, or the peak version of himself. And, I would agree with him saying, you know, the best version of myself is in 30 years. The best version of myself is, you know, way out in the future. Like there's this idea that, you know, I'll continuously grow. And 
I'll be a better version of myself every day. And, you know, you wake up and you get up and, you know, you have this mindset that today I'll be a better person than I was yesterday and the day after that and the day after that. But back to your question, if there was anything that I would tell my younger self is keep doing what you're doing, do what you love and be patient. Things will work out. And there's this, there's this idea that I've actually played with since I left school is I, I remind myself almost daily, um, there's three words that I back myself with. It's hard work, consistency, and patience. I, I literally used to write on myself every day. Like to me, I believe that is the recipe for success. And success is defined by what you perceive it to be. But to me, if you work hard, if you're consistent and you're patient, it'll all work itself out. And so I tell myself that almost every day. You know, you've touched on a few really good points there. And um, the two that I really want to highlight, there is one of them being continuous growth, continuous learning. And it is so important to just know that it's a continuous process. There's there's no end to it. You're never going to get to a point where you know everything, where you can do everything. You're always going to continually learn. And the other one is being patient. And that patience is something that is absolute key. You know, it's um, if you don't have patience, you're going to question where you are at any given point and you're going to result in burnout because you're going to keep pushing yourself to limits that are not sustainable. It's the hardest thing to deal with as well as that patience. Like when you're incredibly ambitious and you've got this vision of where you want to be, it's incredibly hard to, to bring yourself back to earth and be like, look, you can't achieve it overnight. Like it, it's not going to happen tomorrow. You have to be patient. And it's the hardest thing that I struggle with is trying to be patient. I've got all these ideas that I want to do. I've got all these places that I want to be. Um, but it's it's continuously bringing myself to the point that, look, it takes time and it, it takes time. <laughs> you just have to be patient. You have, are you quite visual? Because a lot of people say that you should have your dreams in a visual format to actually see where you want to end up. If you if you want to be in a different country, you have photos of that country on your phone. If you want to have a particular type of car or a boat, you have that in your room. Are you quite visual in that form? Yeah, that idea of like manifesting your future is interesting to me. And it's something that I played with the last couple of years, but I haven't recently. I absolutely have this. I'm, I'm more of a verbal guy. Like I will tell you my wildest dreams and I will tell you that I'll achieve it rather than putting up, say, a photo board of, you know, what I want to have or what I want to be. I absolutely believe that that is more key to my success and verbally telling people what I'm going to do rather than putting it on a wall in my bedroom. Because what that does is it holds me accountable. So if I tell you right now, look, I want to create a platform that's going to, you know, push the creative boundaries of youth um, through developing their skill sets, then, and I'll do that by the end of next year, I can tell you that openly and honestly now, then that's going to push me more than I put it on my wall because it's it's going to hold me accountable because you'll be able to go, oh, how's that going? Or, you know, how's that thing you told me last week going or last year going? I value that more than putting it onto a photo board. I will tell you openly everything yeah. about what I want to do because it will enable me to achieve it because I feel some sense of responsibility and accountability. And that inherently um, shows to the success of Masters Media as well, because it's the same as having your deliverables. You have your deliverables because you're telling someone you will have something by this date, by this time, of this quality, and you're held accountable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> same concept. Um, but I guess you put it in, in a personal perspective. So instead of relaying that information to a client, you're relaying that to the closest people around you, if that's family and friends, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're the ones that 
are going to constantly be there reminding you of these ideas of who you want to be or what you want to achieve. Now, um, I just want to touch back on Masters Media. And look, you're, you're a one-stop shop for social media and content creation. And with businesses heavily integrating social media, do you think there's a growing importance of creating content which is intended for social media use? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I absolutely agree that there is this growing concept of um, creating content for social media. And a massive driver and a massive driver for the initial success of Masters Media and me growing so rapidly from what I was is COVID. What COVID enabled or what COVID um, highlighted in terms of business is that we need to digitize. There's this need now to be digital. There's this need to have a social media account. People have shifted their, their consumer behaviors. And what people are doing now is finding more information through social media, through digital platforms. And so if your business is not digitizing, if your business doesn't have a website, if it doesn't have a social media platform that it utilizes, then it's lacking behind. Like to put it easy, social media these days is not is not a want, it's a need, it's a necessity for business. And so with that idea and with COVID driving that, because how else do you connect with your, your audience or your clients these days? You know, we're, we're in a level three lockdown and uh, I'm in a level three lockdown in Auckland, you're in a level three. Yeah, I'm in a level three lockdown. <laughs> like how else are you going to buy something from your favorite shop? You can't walk into a retail store anymore. Um, you can't even get a haircut for that instance. But you know, if, <laughs> If your business isn't online, you're not going anywhere. Like you're missing out. Um, and so Masters Media's success can be attributed to COVID because what it did was it shifted this mindset in terms of business leaders and, and business owners that they need to digitize. And what that meant was there was this rapid increase of content that people had to put online, thankfully. <laughs> what, it, what it means now is, you know, there is always going to be this online presence um, if we even look at Mark Zuckerberg's presentation of the metaverse and what he wanted to achieve there, like that's an alternate or a digital reality. Like if your business is not digitizing and if you're not producing content online, then you are falling behind. It's and as you simple know, as that. Mark Zuckerberg is not the first one to do it either. You know, no. this has been in the works from even the likes of Microsoft for a number of years. Absolutely. So in your opinion, um, leading down that track, what do you think is the biggest mistake that businesses make on content? <laughs> yeah, the, the biggest mistake that businesses can make in terms of content is not posting. It's not creating content. It's not sharing content through digital means. Um, it's as simple as that. And we touched on it before, but the irony is Masters Media itself doesn't post enough on social media. It doesn't. And I can promise you that from a managing director's perspective that we don't post enough. You know, at the end of the day, the content doesn't have to be good. You don't need to go out and hire a professional videographer. You don't need to go out and hire a professional photographer. You know, your your smartphone is your greatest asset to you right now to being able to digitize your business. So if you can go, if your phone, and I'll be surprised if it doesn't have a camera, but if your phone has a camera, you know, you've got an asset that can accelerate your business digitally. So just go out, take photos of everything, take videos of everything, just capture the entire process of your business. If you're a coffee business, take photos of making the coffee, take photos of the coffee, take photos of handing coffee to people, of people enjoying coffee, of the business, of where the coffee comes from. Like, it doesn't matter. What businesses are lacking is that they're not posting online, is that they're not creating content to be shared digitally. It's a massive gap in the market that Masses Media is not utilizing. Um, 
but it is honestly the the biggest concern that we have with working with businesses. Right, and and having created content from businesses such as gyms to AUT, one of New Zealand's largest universities, what has been your approach in dealing with clients of different scales? Or do you find that you have a similar approach for everyone? Our approach is similar. And that was something that we wanted to do from the start was we wanted the systems to be in place initially so that we could grow and grow with the clients that we were working with without having to change much in terms of systems. So it doesn't matter if you're a small coffee business, our approach is going to be the same. If you're a, you know, a company with hundreds to thousands of employees, the, the way that we operate as a company is the same. Um, the value that we provide is the same. The only difference might be the budget <laughs> and, and the, the deliverable outcomes. So Jesse, they say it's quite important to actually have a mentor or someone you, who you look up to in the business world. Do you agree with that? Do you have a mentor that um, has helped you along the way? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with the statement. I agree with the idea that it's incredibly important to have people or have someone to look up to. I personally don't have a mentor. I have what I would call a collective of people that I can talk to. Um, so I don't have someone that I might catch up with every couple of months or something and sit down with and, you know, dive into my business and talk about. So when I started early, I was able to, you know, talk to people that had been in business or people that I looked up to um, and just have some conversations with from time to time. It's, you know, you don't need a figure. You don't need a person that can um, provide value to you. I see value in being able to form relationships with an array of different people from different industries and different backgrounds and being able to utilize what their experiences are um, to, to benefit you um, in terms of business. Like to put it into perspective, I could talk to someone who's been in hospitality for 20 years and I'm going to get his or hers um, perspective of business and experience from their 20 years in hospitality. I'd rather talk to 10 people who have um, businesses in a range of different industries whose experience might be less, but their experiences will be much broader and much different. And I value being able to talk to different people, just having a chat. And it doesn't have to be anyone special. It doesn't have to be someone who's incredibly successful. You know, it, it just has to be someone that you can look up to and you can rely on to talk to from time to time. That is that is that is a great point, and it's it's so important. Um, was something I always think of, and actually, even the intention behind the podcast and having people from different expertise and different areas of business and creators was the ex CEO of Air New Zealand, Christopher Luxon, and how he came about to be. He was actually uh, working for Unilever in the FMCG business, and when he came into Air New Zealand, he turned what was effectively a logistics company into a customer centric customer service company and took them to number one. And actually having those expertise from different areas can help you understand that what other industries might be doing better and implement that in your own business. But what I think what I'd like to say on that whole idea of, of a mentor is there's no one place to look for a mentor. There's no one particular type of person that can be a mentor to you. There's, there's absolutely, yeah, there's, you know, it's an open book who a mentor is to you. Like when I started, it was friends and family. Um, as the journey went on, it was business owners or clients that I worked with. It was people that I had met through networking. It was, you know, the latest mentor that I would say I've got is actually um, a client of mine. 
Um, and, you know, he sees a lot, I guess, in a young guy, which is when that age comes back into, when that age comes back into context is, you know, it's, it's actually an opportunity for me as a young, ambitious person to um, form this relationship with a client who's willing to offer value and advice to me. But I think one of the best mentors I've actually ever had um, is someone that I met in my local gym. Um, so it was, it was purely a day of just like, I was lifting weights one day and, you know, struggled to get it up and he had a bit of a giggle at me in the, in the window um, and then offered some advice on, on how to lift weights. Um, and we built a relationship probably over the next two months of understanding what he does. And he's got um, a, a hospitality chain of businesses that sell food throughout Auckland. Um, and, you know, he began to, to learn that I'm a young guy starting a media business. Um, and, you know, after that, it was <laughs> the gym became an environment not only for me to, to work out and to grow physically and mentally, but it was also a place where I could could learn to, to grow in terms of business as well, because I could catch up with him every time that we were there. And um, that was super beneficial. And I think the biggest thing to think about here as well is, you know, a mentor doesn't need to know they're a mentor to you. Like there's, there's no, you know, there's no written rule where it's like this guy or this lady, sorry, has to know that they're mentoring you or they're providing you value. Like for me, when I say I've got a collective of mentors, it's because no one actually knows that they're a mentor. You know, they we just have conversations about business where I get to learn and grow and understand what they've done to, to overcome different hurdles and problems that they've had. And I think that's something that shouldn't be overlooked by people is, you know, you, you don't need one mentor. Who now tell us, Jesse, for our listeners, um, if they are looking to, to engage with services and services of Masters Media, how do they reach out? Yeah, um, the easiest way is just to jump online, mastersmedia.com. You'll be able to find all our contact details there. Masters is a pain in the ass to spell, um, but M-A-R, get an R in there, you'll be right. Um, <laughs> look at one. Yep, yep. I, will be, I will be having the links in the caption below. Yeah. Perfect. Now, hey, Jesse, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Awesome, mate. Thank you. And Thank you as I mentioned me. earlier, all links will be posted below. For the listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast and want to dive with me into the world of entrepreneurs, creators, and more, give this podcast a follow, give it a like, and hit the bell icon to be notified. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and socials. All links will be posted below. This is the Show Me How To Podcast.